Those of you who've known the backstory of my program and how I ended up going from kids camps to podcasting, so much of it began through what I'm just going to say, for lack of a better term, failure. We would have teenagers come into the program and they would have an amazing experience in the program. They would blow through obstacles. This is rite of passage work. And they'd go home and then I would have this 5% failure, relapse, uh, blowing sideways rate. I'd get calls from about 5% of the parents saying, what did you do? My kid was struggling before and now it's worse than ever. And it took my wife and I a minute to recognize that there's a difference between motivation and therapy. And that these 5% that were struggling after our teen rite of passage program needed therapy. And that was the impetus for creating a therapeutic intervention program, uh, you know, a four month residential program, etc., cetera, for, for these teens, for these kids. And I think that's where our best learning is. Because what I recognize is that as an addict, I could go through short-term experiential programs and feel amazing. And as a practicing addict, when I felt amazing, I did a lot of drugs and I needed a different kind of intervention. And that was the type I got in the 12-step rooms working with therapy. I have as our guest today on Beyond Risk and Back, Marsha Stone, uh, founding and chief strategy officer of BRC Healthcare. And I'm going to let her tell you about Being Real Change Healthcare and its expansion because she has come across a concept to handle the relapse rate. And this is something that is so impaired because we hear relapse is part of recovery. And I disagree. Relapse is part of addiction and there's a missing component if we're dealing with relapse and listening to Marsha off the air, I think she has stumbled on to the answer. And so we're gonna listen to Marsha. Thank you for joining me on Beyond Risk and Back. I'm your host, Aaron Huey. This is a C4 Events, the CCSAD Virtual 2020 Conference. Uh, and we're online with these amazing guests. And Marsha, uh, she's been on A&E's Intervention. Uh, she's been on Dr. Phil. She's been on The Doctors. We have a renowned international speaker with us. You, ladies and gentlemen, you're going to learn a lot from Marsha. Marsha Stone, thank you so much for being on Beyond Risk and Back, and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. Um, live virtually from Austin, Texas. Thank you, Aaron. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Okay, let's jump into it. I'm going to ask you a question that I like to throw at new staff members and uh, and truly see how uh, uh, open and transparent they can be in this world of recovery. Why would you do this work? What on earth a trauma or family relationship are you trying to resolve by helping people resolve their trauma or family relationships? <laughs> Great question, first of all. Um, you know, I sort of stumbled into this field and then fell in love with it, and I think probably got addicted to it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was an attorney um, before I got into this field, and, you know, um, full transparency, alcoholism came calling, knocked at my door, and I flung the door open and invited it in to ruin my life, and it did its job. And, um, you know, I ended up um, really struggling, really struggling, and I finally was able to get some traction, um, and I, uh, I went to long-term gender-specific treatment and then moved to Austin, Texas, and just kind of got offered a job by this amazing maverick of a treatment pioneer named Mark Houston, and um, I ended up working for Mark, and when he suddenly passed away, there was 
strange series of events. I became the CEO and eventually purchased what was then Mark Houston Recovery. Um, and I just fell in love with helping people. You know, I think one of the things that is so baffling to people that are pretty high functioning, high performers is why can I make up my mind to achieve any goal that I want to achieve, except for when it comes to making up my mind that I'm not going to drink, you know, um, abusively anymore and not being able to pull off that decision. And I just got really fascinated with it. I went back to school and got my LCDC and, um, I don't know. I thought I was going to do it for a few years and here I am 12, almost 13 years later and just having the time of my life. I, I love this work. I love to see, um, you know, the, the miracles and I like to address the challenges. And I think that that's what really got me hooked into starting new programs and expanding our company because there's so many different challenges and nuances like you were just talking about that really lots of times go unaddressed. And I like to, create really good solutions to challenges that we have in the field. And I think that's what really gets me excited. Okay. So we, we talked about you're taking over, you take on BRC. You said BRC has about 200 beds in Austin, both inpatient and sober living for right. families who don't know what sober living is. Talk about sober living for a second. So sober living is basically a step down from residential treatment. And in my opinion, sober living and aftercare um, is, if not the most com important component, you know, one of the most important components of the treatment process. We have a 12-month-long full continuum of care for all of our programs. All of our programs feed into our sober living and aftercare system, which is called Segway. Um, all of our clients get an individual recovery coach, and the families get individual family coaches. Because when they step down into sober living, they're going to get a little more autonomy. Um, they're going to be required to, you know, begin to take responsibility for their recovery that was kind of laid out for them step by step while in inpatient treatment. And this is where we see people, you know, really start to hit the ground running, or sometimes we see people start to stumble and fall. And, um, you know, I was sort of a nice segue, no pun intended, but, you know, the stumble and fall was what um, led me to begin to be um, creative around this idea of Makana Path and to figure out, you know, what is the missing piece? You know, like you were talking about in your entry um, to this show, why is it that some people don't get it? Why is it that some people, you know, um, have these stumbling episodes and, you know, how can we help them get back onto the beam? So, so Makana Path shows up just a few years ago. What mm -hmm. is Makana Path? What is this, this new concept that you brought in from watching relapse rates and working like all of us to try to find a way to curb or cure this relapse after recovery rate? And everybody's got an opinion on why relapse happens and that's right. fine and dandy, but then there's those of us who get in there and take action. Makana Path was your action. What is First of all, what does Makana mean? What does Makana path mean? And what is it is specifically? So Makana, my husband's from Hawaii. And so Makana is a Hawaiian word and it means gift. And it's actually um, my youngest son's middle name is Makana. And in some context, it means gift from God. And I felt like, um, you know, when, when these ideas were coming to me, when these observations, and like I said, sort of anecdotal evidence was coming to me about what people were struggling with, I felt like it was a gift. And I felt like I wanted to share this gift with the world um, and give people the gift of life. And so that's sort of the theme of Makana. Um, you know, I was running Sober Living for about seven years, and I was just seeing people that 
it just seemed like it was about the six to nine month mark that looked like they were doing really well. And then out of the blue, not only are they relapsing, but they're relapsing and just, you know, hitting, you know, hitting the addiction even harder than they were before. You know, maybe they were just drinking before and all of a sudden they relapse and they're, you know, doing IV heroin, you know, so many of these different stories that were happening. And I just started to take notes. Um, And the notes really led me to this idea that three different categories were where most people's struggles were falling into. So I called up our chief clinical officer one day, Mandy Baker, and I said, Mandy, these people are struggling because of love, money, and trauma. And she said, what are you talking about? (laughs) And I said, you know, I've, I've been thinking about this and I've been watching this and I've been praying about this. And I feel like either they're getting sidetracked into relationships too soon, early in recovery, and they're focusing on that. They're taking their eye off the ball, or they're getting focused on money, meaning school or their job. They're too focused on that and taking their eye off the ball of recovery, or there's some kind of traumatic event that either they haven't addressed or they haven't talked about at all. And I want to create a program that's a short-term program that's totally different from anything anyone else is doing so that these specific issues are addressed in a very intensive way. I want to use all master's level therapists. I want to have, you know, a a, a very clinically sophisticated program with a little side of 12 steps to kind of do a relapse autopsy and get back on the beam. Um, That I want this to be something different than we've ever done because, you know, BRC healthcare really was based on Mark Houston recovery, which is this long-term gender specific 12 step immersion program that, evolved into, um, you know, what's now really considered one of the best, if not the best program for chronic relapsers. So we have all this 12 step stuff. We have a young adult program for, for, you know, sort of the failure to launch crew, but I wanted something that would be appropriate for any age level, any demographic, but people that wanted to get in and roll up their sleeves and say, this is the truth about why I have not been able to maintain my sobriety and I want to address it now. And that's where we came up with McConaughey path. And is Makana path, is this path uh, uh, day treatment, outpatient, uh, residential? Is this what you put into the sober home now? Or is this for someone who's left the treatment can come back and do this stuff? Uh, how, how does, how does a person get involved in the, Makana it's path? interesting. We talked a lot about that, about, you know, what's the, what's the entry point for Makana yeah. path when we were building the program. Um, and we hired this amazing clinician named Joe Roller. Um, I always say about Joe. Um, you know, he's from Louisiana and, and he's a therapist therapist and he's, he's probably, I've, I've met a lot of therapists and if any of my therapist friends are watching this, no offense, but Joe's the best I've ever seen. I mean, he's, he's got a gift, you know, to keep with the theme. And so we decided that we wanted to make it sort of a, um, you know, open, open to all, you know, we wanted people to be able to come to Maconopath if they'd relapsed. We wanted them to come to Maconopath if they were, for example, we treat a lot of professionals, professionals that had only a short amount of time and really needed to get in there and do the work. Um, you know, we treat a lot of school teachers that have a, a finite amount of time. So right. we wanted it to be, um, you know, a short-term intensive program that really gets the job done. So uh, Joe went about um, taking my ideas and working with Mandy and figuring out what the right types of therapies were going to be to address these issues. And he came up with this module plan. And there's six modules to Makana Path. They're all three days each. And so, you know, it's a rolling cohort that will go um, Monday through Saturday, basically, um, with, with Sundays off. And it'll be, for example, three days on shame, three days on trauma three days on attachment, 
three days on family of origin. And they, and, and they just roll this way. There's two on chain, but they, there's six of them and they roll and roll and roll um, okay. so that anyone who comes in is only really one or two days behind. We also have a medical detox at Makana because like I said, a lot of people come there um, are coming um, from relapse or even if they're just coming to treatment for their first time, um, they can do their medical detox there as well. We use a lot of different modalities at Makana. Um, you know, we obviously just, you know, use the ones you hear about all the time, motivational enhancement therapy, um, you know, CBT, um, integrated family systems. Those are some of the different ones we use. But the one that I want to talk about today um, is cognitive processing therapy. And the reason that, um, that Joe and Mandy and I decided to use that modality specifically is because you know, if trauma is the issue, or even if it is an issue, um, you know, I think a lot of people get stuck in whatever the traumatic event was. And so we developed this idea that it's not necessarily the traumatic event that is the stumbling block. It's not like, you know, flashback memories are happening all the right, time that are right, creating right, right. the stumbling block. Instead, it's the narrative that you have, you know, told yourself and informed your life decisions around um, that are causing the issues. For example, if the trauma is, you know, some type of childhood abuse that can, you know, splinter off into, I'm going to work twice as hard to prove that I'm half as good. And that might be in the form of a relationship that might be in the form of overachieving around work or education, but either way, none of those things are going to be in congruence with a healthy recovery work-life balance. It's going to be necessary for us to maintain um, sobriety over the long haul. And so we sort of backed our way into this idea that if we could look at the narrative, if we could look at, you know, how people are seeing themselves and how they are, you know, making decisions after thinking thoughts and taking actions around their life that are problematic, then we can, as they say in Texas, walk that dog backwards. <laughs> and, and that's what we, what we're doing. Um, every person gets their own notebook and they kind of create their own, um, uh, manual, I guess is the best way to say it, that they take with them so that when they leave and life starts to show up again, they can use the exact same questions to walk their own dog backwards so that they can come out on a healthier side, whether they're working with a sponsor, a therapist outside of treatment, or even just a group of accountability friends. We wanted this to be something that was user-friendly, um, simple to understand, um, but incredibly, um, like I said, clinically sophisticated so that people could unhook from the issue and be able to walk forward and to walk free. Marsha, hang on just for a quick second. We need to give a shout out to the CCSAD sponsors and I'll be right back with you. Uh, I have been able to say plenty of times uh, as I've been doing the CCSAD event, what it's been like for C4 events to go from these live events that they've been doing for so many years to suddenly having to shift everything to virtual and online. Uh, and it, without the sponsors, this is not possible. This is, the sponsors always make these conferences work. These are the people that show up with the booths and providing meals for the speakers uh, and uh, hosting events for the entire uh, gathering of educators and clinicians and counselors and psychiatrists and doctors and in Marsha's case, a lawyer, like, like we're, we all show up to these rooms and we all learn from each other and putting this stuff online took a massive pivot. And these are the silver sponsors that 
made this pivot possible. So thank you to our silver sponsors, which are uh, Alina Lodge, Gosnold, Heal Behavioral Health, Origins Behavioral Healthcare, Recovery Centers of America, Southworth Associates, uh, the District Recovery Community, and Timberline Knowles. Thanks for putting up the time, the money, the energy to keep these CCSAD events rolling and keeping C4 events providing amazing amazing education for all of us. All right, let's get back to our guest. Marsha, I have a question about uh, the three topics that you uh, identified as some of the key components of relapse, uh, love, money, and trauma. Uh, I'd love to break into those as we wrap around towards the end of our show here uh, with you elaborating on them a little bit because I can tell you that the loved one never ever absolutely happened to me immediately like mm-hmm. I I was I was in I I think uh, uh, NA for two weeks and was in a relationship and everybody in the room was like ah and I was like but you don't understand this one's different that's right so it's so let, let's talk about <laughs> how these three things get into this this relapse area because they're things we all want uh we want to resolve trauma we want to make money by god i had spent so much money in the wrong place i wanted to do right by money and love i i wanted connection especially as i was dealing with my own bs my own darkness love felt like a light why do these things cause relapse You know, it's such a great question, and it's so complex and and, and difficult to understand because if you line up sort of 10 out of 10 normies, if you will, and say, you know, isn't it a great thing to be in a relationship? Isn't it a great thing to have a high-paying job? You know, aren't these things good? Of course they're good. Of course they are. The problem with people that struggle with alcoholism and addiction is that at the end of our sort of run, alcohol really has become our solution or drugs have become our solution. And in a way it's sort of, you know, they're anesthetizing this pain that's going on within. So we go through treatment, they take away our solution, our drugs and our alcohol. And then all of a sudden, you know, we're, you know, 30, 60, 90 days later, we're launched into sober living really raw, really vulnerable. And with, you know, some accountability around this and sort of a, a, a sheet of, of what we're supposed to be doing, how many meetings a week and seeing our therapist and our doctor and all this, right, right. but you know, you're sitting in the meeting, you're looking across the room, your eyes catch the butterflies happen. And all of a sudden this explosion, <laughs> this explosion of endorphins happens, you know, and all of a sudden it's like, Oh my God, it feels good. Something feels good. And it feels good and it feels so close to the good that alcohol and drugs felt that our brain can't really tell it apart. And so, you know, I'm a, I'm a Southern girl and and I use, you know, sort of animal metaphors, but if you think about, you've ever seen a a pasture of cows, if there's a body of water, what's going to happen? Those cows are going to walk in the same line to that body of water every single day. So there's a path across the pasture. So what we're trying to do in early recovery is to create a new path, right? Um, a, a new McConaughey path. And so, you know, just because our brain says love feels good, getting this big paycheck feels good. Um, you know, buying myself, you know, a new pair of shoes or a new handbag feels good. Yes, it's true. It does feel good. But on this new path, it's not going to feel as good quite as fast, but it's going to be a more beautiful body of water in the long run. And so, you know, while love is good, while success is great, you know, while dealing with trauma is obviously ideal, 
the way that we go about doing it in early recovery can be harmful because it takes our eye off the ball of creating that balance that we're looking for, where we're taking care of our mental, our spiritual, our emotional, and our physical health, usually in the context of some, you know, support group, like like a 12-step group, AA, NA, whatever, um, and usually in the context of a community that's been built around us in a sober living setting, um, and usually with some specific set of plans, whether it's outpatient care or therapy or, or seeing our, our personal trainer or whatever. There's so much that goes into this early recovery process to address all of our needs that have been identified that if we get distracted and focused on just one of those needs, then everything else is out of balance. And that's what I was seeing time and time again at like this six and nine month mark. Everything looks good on the outside, but internally the balance is off. And then all of a sudden, whoops, our brain's going to trick us back into going to the old path that we know gives us that instant relief, whether it's alcohol and drugs. Last question before we start to uh, give give people contact information and how they can get in touch with you directly. Um, Gender specific, you've mentioned it a few times, and I know some Mm -hmm. companies are very, very focused on it. A company like mine, we work with the LGBTQ community, uh, boys and girls. Uh, So so for us, we've got to create a a collective tribe of of all genders and and, uh, or orientations now gender specific i'm assuming brc is not a men's only company or a women's only company but my question is do you specifically keep the treatment aspect these are women's homes these are men's homes do you or are you co-ed so so um just to back up for one second so brc healthcare has four different programs at this time we're we're actually actively expanding the first is BRC recovery. That's the long-term gender specific for chronic relapsers, totally gender specific, Okay. totally different campuses, totally separate programming, et cetera. Got it. Spearhead Lodge is our young adult male program, obviously male only yeah. specific um, treatment for, for, you know, that, that failure to launch sort of set. Yep. Um, Maconopath is actually what we call gender separate. So there are men and women at Maconopath. And again, we did that intentionally because some of the issues that need to be worked through are best done in a co-ed setting. However, um, we do have separate housing for men, separate housing for women so that we can do gender separate um, process groups and, you know, psycho educational groups, et cetera, where necessary and where clinically indicated. So you guys have balanced it all out. It sounds like you've done done it. We do it all. and, And we do it, like I said, with intention because Sometimes it's really important that the genders are separate. Sometimes it's clinically helpful to have that mirror of the opposite sex and right. to work through, you know, some of the things that are blocking you. Right. Let, let's talk, let's, let's give parents the information, especially on the failure to launch the, the, the young adult program, but how are people going to find all of your programs, get in touch with you directly if they need be, or an admissions officer. Let's, let's load up parents with some support. Sure. So our main website that you can find links to all of our programs is brc-healthcare.com. My personal email is mstone, M-S-T-O-N-E, at brcrecovery.com. And on that BRC Healthcare website, um, there's links to BRC Recovery, Spearhead Lodge, which is our young adult male program, and Maconopath and the Segway Support Service Program, which is our sober living and um, aftercare case management. All in Austin, 
four different programs and um, we try our best when we're creating programs, when we're expanding our company to, um, to, to build to the need. I think that that is a big differentiator. Um, you know, there's plenty of great treatment centers out there. Um, there's plenty of treatment centers that, you know, were, were built to the dollar, but we are, um, we try to differentiate ourselves and build to the need because we see that there's so much need and um, it's really important to be creative, to be um, clinically superior and to, to use your, your highest and best um, uh, education to be able to, to figure out, you know, what's missing here, what's going on and how can we address it and do it in a way that's really going to help people and bring real change. Insurance, private pay. How do you guys work? We work with um, out of network insurance and in network insurance. It depends on um, the program. Um, We do have um, our Mark Houston Memorial Scholarship Fund. We try to make sure that if people need some help bridging the gap between what their insurance will pay and what they're able to pay, we try to meet them there and not make finances the issue for not being able to get the help that people need. Marsha Stone, uh, thank you so much. Marsha Stone, founder and chief strategy officer of BRC Healthcare. Thanks so much for all this information. Thank you for the thank support. Uh, this is the information around relapse and, and causation is really, really important for families. So stick on the line for a minute and uh, I'll take us out. But thank you so much. Great, great show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the it's, opportunity. It's my pleasure. All right. So families, what we're going to take from this is that we're going to, we're going to recognize that, uh, that this relapse of recovery, this, when the person goes and tries on the old pair of pants that used to be so comfortable, let's remember, let's have compassion for the idea, for the concept that recovery is uncomfortable. It is, it is a hard process. It's a working process. It's a selfish process. This person who has been so self-centered for all these years with, with everything they do that keeps the family completely focused on them, uh, recovery looks a lot alike, uh, the, the, the pro that self-centered process, because in the middle of a tough day that I got to go to a meeting or I need to call my counselor, I need to go to another therapist and it still costs money and there's still dishes to do and work to do and kids to raise and you've got to heal. And so there's this crazy balance of avoiding this shame and guilt. That is the twin pillar of the addictive behavior and still being selfish, still needing that one-on-one time, that group support, that relapse recovery pairs. I think I think what they're doing with Makana Path is addressing that solution in such in such a way. And I love I love how if you need gender specific, if you if you need a co-ed experience, they've got you covered. So so please check them out at www.brc-healthcare.com and uh, take a look. See if that see if that can help out your young kiddo. I want to say thank you to Deepin Productions who does this music for the podcast and also produces the shows. You can check them out at deepinproductions.com. And I want to thank C4 Events who who have kept me along for this great ride of all these conferences and podcasting and interviewing these amazing experts, these incredible people who've stepped into that 12th step in earnest, which is taking the message of recovery and message of hope to people who still suffer. 
And so thank you to C4 Events. Thank you to our sponsors, our platinum, gold, silver, and bronze patrons. Thank you so much for putting forth the time, effort, and energy to keep this event going. And parents, remember, take care of yourself first, your adult relationship second, and your children third, because in that way, you're going to do your best work with your children. Join me on another episode of Beyond Risk and Back. Please listen, like, subscribe, and share. And please help me out by leaving me a review on iTunes. Uh, it's a great way to have f- help families find help so they can help their families. All right, we'll see you again next week. And my thank to- and thanks to our guest, Marcia Stone. <laughs>